Shall we begin? Let's begin now. All right, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Frankly Francisco podcast. I am your host, Francisco. Today, I have a special guest. This young man is former military. He served eight years in the U.S. Navy. Uh, he's a world traveler, uh, dedicated father, dedicated husband. Um, he is balancing work, raising kids. Um, he has a lot of perspective on a lot of stuff that's going on in the world today because he's lived that life and he's been around it. So I'd like to introduce everybody to Q. How are we doing, Q? Good, good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course, of course. So on this podcast, we like to t- uh, talk to different people from different walks of life, different varieties. I've never had a military veteran on the uh, podcast before. So I think this is a good opportunity for people to get to know uh, some of the things that you had to go through when you were in the military for eight years. So let some of the folks know what your background is um, and tell them the folks what you do. So I, uh, you know, I came from a big family in New York City. You know, it was a local income family. Uh, straight out of high school, I joined the Navy. Um, in the Navy, I hit a world of culture shock with first just meeting different people from different states and everything like that, and just overall different walks of life. And then from there, progressing in the Navy and then ultimately traveling the world and (laughs) seeing so many different, it was almost like different universes, you could say. And, you know, I, I got out and now I'm pretty much doing the same job and everything, but for the military as a civilian. As a civilian. So what made you not want to go career if you already had eight years in? Because typically it's 20 years and out. So what, what made you veer off from, you already had eight. So what made you veer off from not reenlisting again to do another, another um, 12? You know, I, I was already on the fence on whether or not I wanted to do the full 20 because that was definitely uh, an experience. You know, I, I'd be BS to say that like, I didn't, that I didn't love it. You know, I, it was amazing, but at the same time, the rules and everything, I I got in trouble (laughs) a good amount of times from just living life and still, you know, following the military way and keeping yourself is not, I'm not going to say it's not feasible, Mm -hmm. but for those of us who stay true to ourselves and everything, you don't usually make it that far, the full 20 right. in the military. And I'm not, I'm not going to like, you know, completely, you know, down the military or anything like that. I love it. It's definitely a, uh, an experience, but there's, there's the here and there certain things that I just, I couldn't make it through. We'll just, we'll just chop it up to that. So, but you learn, you learn a new skill set. Okay. So I'm, I'm assuming Definitely. you learn, you learn a new skill set. You learn different things that you wouldn't normally learn outside of not being in, in the military. So when you traveled, what was, give me two places that you were just totally shocked, culture shocked that you went through and you had to learn while you were there, because I don't know how long you were stationed at some of these places that you had to go to, but what were the two places that you traveled to them uh, that you still sticks in your head to this day? You know, that's, that's, that's a tough one. Um, I would have to say definitely Japan would be my number one mm-hmm. because it's such a, 
a developed country, but their way of life is just so much more, if what feels so much more peaceful and respectful than the American society today. And another major shock, even though I still, you know, I, I still love, this is probably one of the countries I would go back like a billion times to, but uh, Thailand. Oh. Thailand is probably my absolute favorite. Really? You, yes. Because in Thailand, I got to see and taste real rich, rich lifestyle and mm-hmm. see and experience what it looked like to be real poor. Like what the general population here in America views as poor per se. And then you go to one of those countries and see that stuff, you know, firsthand and up close. That's that's a different, a different air, you know, different environment, different atmosphere. So I, I dig that. I get it because I think people who are in the military have a different uh, perspective on life. You actually see stuff that normal people won't see. Like going to Thailand and seeing what actual real poor people live like, people that live off specifically off the land or people that have to, you know, sell on the side of the road every day to even just get enough food to, to feed themselves and their family. And I think uh, America's lost that perspective. They think because, you know, some of these people are living in, you know, PJs, but guess what? These people are living in dirt huts. You know what I mean? You're getting snap over here and these people have to scrounge just to make enough money to feed their kids for the day. So I think the perspective you have, I think a lot of people don't seem to understand what, you know, you have a lot of people that are against military, which to me is absolutely insane um, because you guys get to see things differently than everybody else. And I I never understood the fact why people don't like listening to people who served in the military. You guys are an open book. A lot of these guys want to talk about their experiences. They want to talk about what they went through, but people have a hard time wanting to listen to them. Why do you think that is? I think that America has, as a whole, has developed this mindset that, an extremist mindset, that even if your legit personal experience, not even including opinion, but your legit personal experience goes against what they want to believe, they'll just shut them out. And it doesn't just go for what, like, military uh, experience is just, just America altogether. We we're little by little we're progressing into a an extremist perspective of world mindset yeah. that that everyone just wants to believe like you either with me or against me. Right. I don't care where you stand or what you've experienced. If you don't agree with what I say, then you're one thousand percent against me for some reason. Yeah, and I think that mindset has gotten a little bit tired for me. Like we like you and I can have different points of views. I may not agree with everything you have to say. You may not agree with everything I have to say, but we can have a civil conversation about it and not result to name calling, not result to, you know what I mean? Bashing somebody, trying to cancel somebody. And I think we got to that point where you're right. I think people in this country are oversensitive to everything now. I think we're oversensitive to just the smallest things like, oh, you need to agree with me or you're wrong. Or if you don't like something, oh, that's prejudice. So that's racist. I, I just it gets overwhelmingly tired sometimes. And it, it's sometimes it's hard to have decent conversations with somebody and have different point of views. It really is. I, I can't stand it to, to pretend like I just, to pretend like I just brush it off. I'd be BSing. I, it's, <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. You, 
even when you're trying to spread some like knowledge, like you're not even arguing with the person, mm-hmm. but you slightly disagree with a portion of what they said or a specific part of their perspective. And it's just you they they pretend like you hate them. You hate their way of life. They they take it as an immediate and utmost insult that they just cannot handle. So for you being what, what you're in right now, you're still, so you're out of the military, but technically you're still working for the military. What made you decide to step away from actually being active duty, but then still, still work as a contractor for the military? How did that come about? They, the last command I was in, this last, uh, the last base I was at, there was a civilian sector. I got to talking to some of the dudes that, they were like the older dudes that some of them even played like mentor to me in my younger days. They were loving it over there because it's the job that you've been doing since you were just freshly out of high school all the way into adult, real adulthood and making way more money. And <laughs> you, you just, you know, you're do, you've done this job for so long. You're, it, it's just, you, you do it smoothly. And right. it's not as many military rules and all these excessive things. It, like the civilian world from the military world is almost a complete 180. So, hey, I, I, I just did everything I could. I got my, my wife. She, I had gotten her pregnant and I knew I had to try to get like more money and everything. So mm. I overwhelmed the place with uh, resumes and everything <laughs> of showing how long I was in the military and all my qualifications and right, all right. that stuff. And I got a call within like three days and I just, I landed it. Well, I think that's awesome, man. I think that, you know, you, you were in the military, you're out of the military, but you're still working for the military. So that tells me you love, you basically love that, that structure and that way of life, but you just didn't like the politics involved in a lot of the stuff that was going on. So this job gives you a little bit more freedom than you normally have, which I can appreciate. So how do you balance? How do you balance that work life uh, with the? You know, I don't know what kind of schedule you have if it gets kind of hectic. Like, cause you, you know, you still got to do the dad thing when you get home, the husband thing. How do you balance that work life, and how do you not bring the stresses of work home with you that can affect, uh, you know, the home life? You know, I've been preaching this to absolutely all of my friends my family like everybody that i could put this on even my babies i try to explain to them something i learned in military the the major perks of keeping a schedule finding your own schedule mm-hmm. a lot of people complain about you know living their life in a rut it's like every day is the same thing you know do this do this do this but if you treat yourself, you add like a block in your schedule for just you. How do you want to spend time for you? You know the things that you already have to do. I got to be at work from this time to this time. I have to make sure this is taken care of on this day. You find your weekly schedule on taking care of the things you got to do and then making and working your way around what you got to do to make time for yourself. Everything just balances out. Everything. So with me, I work, so with me, I work one, you know, I'm nine to five guy. I work, I get off on the weekends now. So when I get home, I got to do the dad thing too. So I get what you're saying. It's, and we try to keep, we have five kids, man. And we got to keep things regimented. My kids are on a schedule. They know what they have to do to start the day. They know how to do midday. They know how, what time they have to go to bed. We keep a schedule because I think sometimes, and people don't realize that keeping a schedule can keep you focused on the things you need to move, do moving forward. And a lot of people don't do that. And I think that throws a lot of people off. And sometimes people think it's chaos, but it's control chaos. 
You you know what I mean by that? I completely know what you mean by that. <laughs> it is. I completely agree too. See, a lot of people, you know, and I'm noticing more here in the civilian way of life that a lot of people view that to be too robotic, too controlling. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to stick to a schedule when all like in all actuality is a discipline. It most definitely just no different than like how we eat or how we do pretty much anything else. Like it's it's crazy how much time people will take for themselves to waste time, you know, to like they they they'll go sit on the toilet for way too long on 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 <laughs> social media and everything like that. They'll go and watch a show that comes out a specific day every day of that week the first day it comes out and everything but then when it comes to like more important things oh no i can't do that that's crew controlling it's like yo you're already making time yeah you are for these unnecessary unnecessary things so you know and it's i think it's just it's just the discipline It, it most definitely is the discipline it's like people think they have no time, but then when they really look at the time that they're spending on unnecessaries, when they could be doing either like bettering themselves, bettering their just like overall life by doing something a little bit more productive, they'll get so much more done and actually have more time for themselves. So, and that's what I love, man. And I think the military, the military does that for a lot of people. It, it gives them focus. It, you know, it, it, you know, you know, you were there, you lived that, you lived that life. So when you first got in, what was, what was the mentality for you? What was what was the wake up call? What was boot camp like? Because I've heard stories, man. I, I've I've had friends that were in the Navy. I've had friends that were in the Navy, and and you'll laugh at this. This is I don't. This was a long. This was I'm you know I'm gonna be forty two. This was a long time ago. Had a friend that told me that he went into the Navy, and when he the first day they got there, they threw them a pizza party. All the pizza and soda they can drink. Okay, and as soon as they got done, <laughs> they made them run five miles, and they did it to prove a point because nobody, not one person, did not everybody threw up. Every single body threw yeah. and they did it to yeah. So did you have any crazy stories like that one from, from training camp? You know, you know, it's it's kind of hard to pinpoint because there were several of those. But in the very beginning, I think everybody should know this. I'm probably like breaking some type of rules even speaking about it. But there's something called P days. It's your processing days when you first get there. Mm-hmm. And within those, that first week, it's, they begin to mentally break you down. And that's the whole goal is when you sign your contract, you are no longer a U.S. citizen with rights. You are an asset to the military. You're a tool. You you do everything and anything that you're told. They try to break your spirits. They they do real mind messed up things. The very first day in every boot camp, regardless of what branch of service you go to, you are going to be up a little bit over 24 hours. So you get there straight off the plane. They put you, they make you mail back every single thing that you pretty much have. It might be different now, but when I was in, when I first got there, they don't want you having a single slip of anything that you uh, came there. Nothing, nothing personal, none of your personal items. Everything has to go. They give you everything from your underwear. You get naked in front of your, your, your squad and everything. You put on the clothes that they give you. They cut everybody's hair the same. And then they yell at you if you start falling asleep. You have no idea the concept of time or anything like that because everywhere they send you is just, there's no clocks or anything like that. Then they have you stand in at attention for X amount of time. Then they'll bring you in, tell you to sit down, 
they're going to be processing you. They keep you there for like an hour and be like, what are you doing? You sleeping? Oh, stand up. You start blowing up on this one person who started dozing off and everything. But it's a breaking phase. And I know I, I can, I, I know exactly what your friend was talking about because the very first meal that they gave us, they let us sit at the, the chow hall for, I think it was almost two hours. And at one point, like, you know, all of us start chopping it up and, you know, talking and trying to get to know each other, asking each other's names and stuff. Everything seems so cordial and stuff. And everyone just keeps eating like they normally would, kicking it and stuff. And then they come in, start yelling at everybody all again for, for being so lax and stating us at attention. And then we had to go straight to PT for three hours. Jesus. Yeah. So, but a lot of people, I'm assuming that that stuff breaks of, uh, quite a few people, right? It does. It does. Pretty big, big time. So I think some people that, don't make it. Yeah, but I think that's why they do that though, because they, I think you know they, they want to sort the the strong from the weak. You know that that whole mentality where you know the strongest, you know uh, what is it the 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 strongest of the fittest or whatever it's called, however however it's yeah. pronounced. I think yeah. they do that for a reason. But I mean, you survived it, man. You went through it. You actually thrived. You, I mean, even with all the the even you said yourself earlier yourself getting in trouble, you still managed to get eight years in. Um, longer than you thought you <laughs> you might have been because you like to man. keep things real with yourself. You're not phony, and that's what I appreciate about you, man. Uh, you always keep things real. Your humor, and what a lot of people don't know about Q is Q is one of the funniest dudes out there. He will find humor in the craziest things, and he'll just put, he'll put the funniest, <laughs> most random things online just to get a smile out of people's uh, out of people, even if they're having a bad day, which I can appreciate, man. Because a lot of people don't do that. You just do random stuff just to put people smiles on people's face, which I think is great with everything that you've been through in the military and, and the life trying to balance family and trying to balance kids and job. I think it's refreshing that you still have an upbeat attitude about life, man, because a lot of guys who serve even four years and they're beat down, man, they don't, they just, they don't have it anymore. They don't have the, they don't have that will, you know, they have PTSD and people don't realize PTSD is a, a, a real thing and it can happen to anybody that's in the military, you know, and you, I'm pretty sure you've been diagnosed. Some, so then you, so you know you know firsthand about PTSD. So how do you how do you deal with the PTSD? Some people have service animals. How do you go about is your humor a way for you to help try to deal with the PTSD? It's, it's definitely definitely. You know, I uh, even while like in the military and I know it developed even stronger while I was in the military. I didn't mean to, but whenever I was in high stress environments or too many bad things were happening, I would turn the humor up a lot. Because mm-hmm. one of the, the crappiest things I was feeling, like even in boot camp, was that lowest points, those lowest mental points that you reach and everything. The only way to really get out of that is to just find the humor within it, like the funniness within it. I got in trouble a few times in boot camp because of the times that they would have us sitting, you know, I, I guess now it's called crisscross applesauce, so we don't use the other terms. <laughs> but and they would just leave us there for like two hours and it'd be quiet as hell. So I would like get up and start doing like the robot and everything on my way to the bathroom. Cause technically the rules is like you go to the bathroom, we can't tell you you can't go use the head. But they never said we couldn't do other other stuff. So making right. people laugh and everything like that, little by little, it, it got it. I started doing a lot more throughout my naval career, but it has definitely is definitely my coping mechanism either i start cracking jokes so i start 
making one person laugh until the point that it becomes infectious and yeah, yeah. just lightening up the mood has always been my thing. And it was probably my downfall too <laughs> when it came to <laughs> other stuff. But but I'm glad you didn't I'm glad you didn't let the PTSD take over uh, take over your life. I'm glad you didn't let it ruin the type of person that you are. You're still full of life, man. You're full of life. You're a great dad. Uh, you're a great husband. And I know sometimes I know I'm like, like, like you, I'm pretty sure you annoy the hell out of your wife sometimes too, with some of the stuff you think you do. Oh yeah. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but you're, but you're full of life though, which, and I'm happy about that, man. Cause you know, eight years you, you're diagnosed with PTSD and you're still, you're still full of life. You're still full of energy, man. It's fantastic to see. And a lot of people don't, are not that lucky, man. So for some of the folks out there who have been diagnosed, do you have any advice for them on ways for them to cope? Um, and is there, is there people that they can talk to? Does the military offer any free services through the veterans affairs for them? Yes, definitely. Definitely. PTSD, I think is on the rise so heavily within the military, especially because a lot of the generations that came before me, that wasn't a thing. Hmm. They, they, they were just always told, you know, just man up, you know, just, just, they were given this very toxic type of advice. So I want to say well, around a generation or two ago, when they really started seeing this as a very serious problem, uh, veteran affairs, the, the department of veteran affairs has taken a strong uh, stance on helping people, especially if you've been diagnosed with PTSD. Mm -hmm. You need to speak to somebody. You need to speak to somebody. You need to get those things off your chest. You need to seek help. And a lot of people are a little too proud to do it. And listen, your pride will only get away, get in the way of your quality of life. It's very important to just find what makes you the most happy and just do it. You know, I, I got my little nerd things going on. I find my happiness and everything and my children and stuff, but it's not the, always the case. Some mm -hmm. guys had it so much worse than me. And a lot of dudes, you know, never really found a way for them to, 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 to pull away from all the stuff that they experienced. So it's very important that everyone who even the slightest bit feels like they may fall into that category mm -hmm. to definitely seek help. Definitely seek help. Call the Department of Veteran Affairs. Let them route you to whoever they need to route you to, and speak to somebody. So I'm glad. I'm glad you're giving that information out, and I'm glad because people are going to listen. You know, people need to hear from somebody who lives that life, who's been there, somebody who's coping with that, so they understand that they're not alone. So I thank you for for you know giving that advice to people and letting people know it can be okay, and sometimes just set that pride aside. So I appreciate you talking about your military background. I love it. Um, I'm glad that we were able to, to you know, ex get you to express a little bit about how it was back in those in the days when you were actually active military. So let's shift gears a little bit. So on this show, I really don't like to talk too much politics, but you are hilarious when it comes to this stuff because you bring up stuff on, online all the time when it comes to, to political issues and whatnot. So, you know, with the world affairs of what's going on and everything um, around the world, do you think that us getting out of Afghanistan was the correct choice? Not the way that we did it. Not the way that we did it. I feel it, it definitely needed more planning. Mm -hmm. You know, to the general public, I, I don't know everything that the government knows, but when it comes to major moves like that, I know for a fact, we don't 
flat out pull out of anywhere right right without there being repercussions every single time so i can openly and honestly say that i don't believe that we took the best route and how we did it i do strongly believe of you know eventually getting out of there but not like that so my opinion my opinion is is kind of twofold it's a little my opinion is is I think they had 20 years to get their F together, their stuff together. They had every opportunity. We spent uh, billions of dollars over there training them, uh, arming them, getting them ready. And at the same time, um, I think that we shouldn't have pulled out because they wouldn't, they wouldn't ready. Because as soon as they pulled out, immediately the Taliban came in and took over the country. Taliban was just lying in wait for the last 20 years, just waiting for us to leave to be able to come in. All they did was just gather the resources back together so they can come in and take over and exactly what they did. So essentially the U S just gave them a bunch of weapons, you know, <laughs> to defend themselves. Uh, but you know, the, the bases, the army, everything that's there, they're going to keep, you know, don't get me wrong. The military took most can, can take a large amount of stuff back, but they're not going to most of that stuff yeah. is going to stay there. So I, you know, like I said, on one end, I believe they had 20 years to get ready. They had 20 years to defend themselves, but if in the blinking of an eye, the minute we left, they just, they just let them Taliban walk all over and didn't even put up a fight. Yeah. <laughs> like, they didn't even put up a fight. They walk right in and just took right over, which drives me absolute bonkers. So sometimes I don't believe, this is just my opinion. Sometimes I don't believe we should always be playing big brother to other, uh, other countries in the world. Some of these fights have been going on for hundreds of years, man. You're not going to stop people from doing what they're doing. We can't always play big brother. And what a lot of people don't, and don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not a Trump supporter. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a Biden supporter. I'm an independent. You know, I got views on both same, sides of the fence. Same. So, so the one thing, the one thing that Trump that I did like about Trump is, is, and I say it's the one thing is that he wanted to be more America first. He wanted to take care of his people here first. You know what I mean? We have a huge homeless population problem. We have a lot of veterans that served this country for years and years that are still homeless right now, that <laughs> that are living in the streets. But we're sending aid over to countries. And I understand why they're doing it. They're doing it for political ties, for, you know, allies. Because if it's some, the, you know, the F hits the, the S hits the fan, we want to, we're going to have people to back us up. But at the same token, we got to start taking care of home. Because, you know, before World War, you know, World War II hit, and you're well educated on this because, you you know, you lived that military life. Yep. We were a nationalist country. We were all about us. We weren't about the world. We weren't going to get involved in World War II. You know what I mean? A lot of people don't realize that. We the, Roosevelt didn't care. He didn't care yeah. what, was, what was going on in you. He didn't care. Yeah. So, but all that changed. All that changed when, when you know, the political tide started, you know, changing tide. And then we had hit at Pearl Harbor. That whole mindset changed then. But before, we weren't going to get involved in that. We didn't care anything about that. It wasn't our problem. Yeah. And I think too many people forget that, that, that that's the case. You know, we got hit because we had all the red flags in the world that we should be getting involved and we didn't right? because we wanted to just, you know, we wanted, yo, it's not our problem. It's not our problem. But because of us keeping that mindset, Oh, it wasn't our problem. That problem came to us and made it our problem. Right. So because of those actions, we end up going out there and, you know, like you said, playing big brother and playing uh, world police. But the problem with that is like issues like this, like, like Afghanistan. We jump into certain issues. We jump into certain civil wars. We jump into certain things that we probably shouldn't be jumping into. <laughs> and 
the exit plans, I mean, granted, in all fairness, there's no such thing as a perfect exit plan. There's always right. things going to go south because of human error, human greed, human emotional ties. People mess things up 100% of the time. But at the same time, with better planning and better, like, like you know, strategic movements and not always worried about, like, resources or money or all those other things that come into play when it comes to doing what we do, things should have been handled differently. Yeah. Things should have been handled differently. But I think, you know, to me, the biggest issue for me is, is that it's a house divided, man. Everybody on the Republican side has their own agenda. Everybody on the Republican side has their own agenda. It's all about agendas. It's not about doing what's right for the country. They may say it's right, they're doing what's right for the country. It doesn't come down that it comes down to whose agenda is going to get out, out in the front, whose agenda is going to get out, uh, you know, get seen the most. They don't, to me, sometimes it feels like they, they're all about themselves, giving themselves a spotlight and not really trying to focus on how do you fix the country? How do you fix what's broken and what's going on here? So every president that's come in, I don't care who it is, has had to fix something. Every president's been left with a mess in their hands when they come into office. You know what I mean? It's the same thing with Biden. Biden had a mess from him um, having to, you know, take care of some of the stuff that Trump did. Trump had a mess coming in when Obama was in office. Same thing when Obama had to take care of Bush's mess. So I, I don't think any president comes in with a clean slate. They don't. You know, we they inherit what's going on. But I think some people, these people get swayed by what's told to them in the public and in the media. Which I think sometimes the media is, <laughs> the, the, I think the media is, is probably the worst problem out there when it comes to trying to, you know, scare tactics and put fear in people. I, the media has a big role to do with that. I strongly agree. Strongly agree. I feel like I really wish the news in general kept to just the news and zero bias. If they found a way to just, you know, if there was like some law or something set in place where bias was almost illegal, <sighs> I think people would be forced to think for themselves. Like, yo, formulate your own thought process. You know what? And I scratch that because the minute a celebrity or somebody famous says something else, then it's just, it, it goes all up in the air. Somebody famous has a specific view about something. And then it just becomes popular view. It becomes fact. It becomes like this historical fact that this is exactly what happened or what should be done because this random famous person just said this thing. Yeah, and I think people get too caught up in, in what famous people say. I, it, famous, it's an opinion, people. It's not factual. Yes, you know what I mean? yes. I, th I think we, and it's the idol worship stuff, man. People worship, it's... it's what does a celebrity know about politics? The celebrity doesn't know anything. A celebrity knows how to make movies and how to act. Who is a celebrity to tell you who Barely to vote for? even that. Right. And who's yeah, a celebrity to tell you who to vote for? These guys are multi-millionaire elites. They don't care yeah. about, they don't care about us. <laughs> like, these people think they care. They don't, this is another reason why I don't like, like on my show, I try not, there's only like one or two celebrities that would love to interview. And one of them is going to, it would be Joe Rogan. Cause he hits oh, every. Man. He hits every yes. topic out there. Joe Rogan, somebody that I would love to get on the show. Um, there's a couple other people that I would love to get on the show. Those are the only celebrities that I ever want to talk to because I'm not really in celebrities. Everybody talks. Everybody worships these celebrities. They're just people, man. And when when people come out in droves to defend them, when when other people make comments about like, are you kidding me? You're not in this person. And you're not in their life. Like, why do you yeah. care about what they have to say? <laughs> like, why are you defending them? They don't pay your yeah. bills. And the first thing people like to come out and say, well, at least he's got more money than you. What does that even mean? Yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah, for real. 
Like, who cares? Exactly what you mean. What does that mean? Like, what does who cares? What does more money mean? What does that mean? There's some of the richest people in the world are some of the most miserable people you ever meet in your life, man. Money doesn't make for real. So, and I tell people all the time, money can make you happy. Don't get it twisted now. Money, it's you, you just have to point that yeah. money in the right direction. If you can point that money in the right Three. direction, it can make you happy. But people are so, there's so much, they make money their master instead of using it as, you know what I'm saying, their servant. I think people get caught up too much in that mindset, man. It's, it's not always about money. It's not always about clout chasing. Like me, I like to put out good content. I like to have good conversations with people. If something comes about it, good. If not, then okay, I, I'm still going to do what I love to do because I want to give people a perspective that they normally wouldn't get. I want them to know people like you, people who serve in the military, people who has, that's working a, a contract job still with the military, even though you're not active duty. People want to hear this stuff. And by me doing having these conversations with people like you, it gets this stuff out to the public and it, it'll take a while to build that up, man. And people, people will come like anything else, man. Things take time. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, yes. I completely agree. I completely, and I very much appreciate what you're doing too. That is awesome. I, I try to do that with my memes. I, <laughs> I try never, you know, I do have my own personal bias and it does, you know, it slips every once in a while mm-hmm. into my memes. But if you look at when it came to any type of presidency, any type of major political figure like i don't i don't play favorites with anybody <laughs> i yeah, like yeah. i'll poke at everybody yeah. everything if they said this they did this they're like hey you did it you know like but i do love the neutral ground that that neutral information that i guess put out it it, it just leaves the air fair yeah, make yeah. your own assumptions make make your own your your own uh, build your own opinions and everything I'm a strong believer in that. So with us being, you know, we're minorities, period. Uh, you know, we're Puerto Rican. Um, we're minorities. We're going to be seen as minorities no matter what happens. For us, how do you think things are looking right now in this country? Um, for us, job-wise, how do you think it's looking for us in the future when it comes to us? I, I, I don't think we, we don't have a strong hold on our community. If you look at other communities out there, the Asian community, uh, they have a strong hold on on what they do. Jewish community, it's it's like a, a it's a brotherhood. It's a family. They look out for each other. The Russians, they do the same thing for themselves. If you look at New York City here, here in in North Carolina, as well, they these Russians stick together and they they build businesses with each other. Why is it that we can't do that as a people? Man? Why is it that we want to step all over each other? Because we got too Americanized. And that's that's exactly yeah, everybody that you just mentioned, a good majority of them that's doing it are all immigrants. Mm-hmm. They 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 come into this place where they know is the major platform to just for business in general. America are like America is just we're the trendsetters of the world. And anyone else who can step into that and and you know become king of the hill within that that environment, you know. The only way you're going to be able to do that is to form your own allies, to form your own group and everything like that. And if people are looking out for their own because they're coming from from other places and everything and they don't know, they're not used to our lifestyle and everything. I think the Latinx community in general here in America, we got very Americanized, very selfish in, in how we are and the way we build and I think that that's our that's our biggest problem. We, so, we've we've kind of become selfish. So let let's let's hit that word that you just said, Latinx. Okay, let's hit that word. I hate that word. 
with an absolute passion. And, yeah. I'll, tell, and I'll tell you why I hate that word yeah. with an absolute passion. Because now Latinx came out and was made to make people feel more inclusive who felt like they were inclusive. But now they're using that word to generalize an entire people. Do you understand? What? And it's, yeah. it's aggravating to me because why are you using that word to generalize me? I don't identify as Latinx. I, I, I don't. I don't even. I don't. I personally don't. But as to, to speak as a to speak in a general sense that what the, the, the current population understands, mm-hmm. that's just become what they view us as. Well, I don't and think I that's right. But I, I agree with you. I, I agree. I agree that I don't think it's right either. You know, I, I think. Well, go ahead. Go, you, you, to, what you, what to you me, it's like you're boxing us in. You're, you're generalizing no, the entire people. You're boxing us in. Like that word was, was created because people in the Latin community didn't feel inclusive. And this is, we're talking about people who are non-binary, people who are uh, trans, people who, you know, don't view themselves as just cis, you know, cisgendered, or they view themselves, they, they, that word was created to make them feel more inclusive. But to me now, when you have the president using that term, Latinx, and doesn't know, he's not using that term properly, it, 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 it aggravates me. You have people pushing that word. I don't know if you're yeah. familiar with this, uh, there's a um, YouTube channel and a, uh, on Facebook, it's called Better Like. And they aggravate my soul because they're constantly pushing that Latinx language on everybody. <laughs> they're saying, oh, these 36 uh, Latinx artists, how do you know they're Latinx? Did they identify and come out and say that they're Latinx artists? Like people jump on the street. Yeah, every, yeah. every time something's fashionable, people jump on the train and use it. They and just don't, say it. They just say yeah. it and don't use it in the right contents. Don't, don't box me in. Don't, don't, don't do that to me because that's not who I am. I don't identify yeah. as that. Yeah. I, I I agree with that. I I can definitely agree with that. I think that you know this that whole mentality of just once upon a time there was the the rainbow flag and then they just started adding more and more colors to the concept. And at first it was to be inclusive, but then now it's just a jumble. There's no it's not really being inclusive anymore. You're just being thrown into one category, one major category. Anything that's like almost not white and straight <laughs> it's just you know i don't know it it's a touchy subject for a lot of people man it gets it is it gets kind of touchy it gets kind of touchy because um, people get you know people get offended very easily we're in a cancel culture man so people are gonna like not gonna like what we have to say but it's the fact i'm not trying to say and i and, I, and i've said this before on one of my podcasts i've said it before if you identify as latinx, latinx god bless you that is what you want to identify is live your life. Be free to be who you want to be. Agreed. Agreed. I, will, Agreed. I will never argue against you. Is that what you want to identify? If you want to identify as, as non-binary, you are non-binary. If you want to have your, your pronouns, I will I, I call you by your pronouns. But do not box me in into that category and make me feel that I'm part of a group that I don't identify with. Because then it goes against yeah. the entire grain of what they're trying to do. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. But at the end of the day, when they do that, it doesn't even matter what we think. Because for some reason, it's like the general population just makes the agreement for you. This is they, true. They, they're the ones, you know, they, they're the ones who just making this, giving you this title. And it's always been this way, too. I was like watching this one show. I think it was Barbarians or something like that. And um, they were going through the major trans- transition of when... They, the, the, the people who I think they were living in Germany or something, and they 
were getting taken over by the Romans. Mm-hmm. And the Romans were the one giving them this, this new title of an area that they were living in. And they were like, I'm not calling myself that, you know, like I'm not yeah, calling yeah. myself a German or whatever. But it was just a title that gave them to them, that was given to them. And to this day, that's who they are, even to us, you know? Yeah, yeah this and is that's, true. that's yeah. just that's human, that's human, that's human behavior throughout, you know, time that it constantly just, I don't agree with you. I agree with you, but eventually that, that's, that's what it is. And I, and I think that's, what's going to happen. I think eventually that's the label that's going to stick to the entire, the entire population of, of, you know, Hispanics in this country or all over the world. That, that's what they're going to be. That's what the, it's going to be Latinx. And I believe at some point, I'm hoping that's not the case because a lot of people don't only like 12 or 15% of the population uses that word. Um, but it's one of those things that it's a very touchy subject. A lot of people are going to be very sensitive about it. I mean, like I said, I have no problem with people using that word. If they identify as that, by all means, you know, bless you and continue to live your life. But for me, just don't box me into that, into that. Don't, don't do it. Cause that, that's going to aggravate me more than anything <laughs> Yeah, else. I agree. I agree. <laughs> don't box me into that. All right. So listen. And if they, if they want the respect of. Oh, go ahead. Oh, if people want the respect of being, if people want the respect of being addressed a specific way, I think they should in turn also give that same respect. Exactly. So I, I completely agree with you. I agree with you. So listen, let's switch gears a little bit. So tell me, do you have any projects for yourself um, that you're working on? Do you have anything that you do? Any small businesses that you're working on? Things that you like to do, man, so people can get to know you a little bit. Uh, some of the things you enjoy doing out there. Are you working on anything? Yeah, I. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a complete nerd, and I um I've gotten into the whole miniature painting of Dungeons and Dragons and everything, oh. and comic books collecting, and doing all this extra stuff. You know, after I finished college and I started working out again, and my family's been growing, I uh, I was spending a lot more time with my sons, and they were into watching YouTube and watching different hobbies. And one day I got kind of like dad jealous. <laughs> they, uh, they were watching this one video of a guy painting up this, like, I forgot. It was like a little miniature person. Mm-hmm. And they were like, Oh man, this is really cool. And I'm looking at it. I was like, wow, this guy's trash. Yeah. <laughs> like I could totally do this way better. So I, I, I picked up the stuff and everything and I, I did it up. I was like, Oh, this I actually like this. This was therapeutic. This was super chill. My kids saw it. They thought it was really cool. And I was like, all right, cool. Now, what the hell do I do with it? I don't know anything about Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know anything about none of this. I was like, I just, I was just doing this to prove a point. And I wasn't even expecting this to come off as good. So I went on eBay and I sold it. And this thing that cost me like $3, I sold it for like 35 nice. So I was like, whoa. All right, then. We'll do this again. So I started doing it with like different monsters and stuff. And one time I got pressed by like a hardcore nerd. He's like, well, this is cool. And no, you did a really good job. But why did you paint it that color? No, I don't know. It's just whatever it came to me. It's like, well, this is what it's really supposed to look like. And I had no idea. He showed me like all these pictures and stuff. I was like, yo, this is pretty dope. Because I, I grew up on Marvel and DC yeah, comics yeah. and everything like that. So it was real easy to just like slip away into this like little fantasy world type stuff. So I started reading up on it. Um, and I made a trade off with this other guy at work. He like gave me an old school nineties book of like that whole fantasy type stuff. I was yeah. like, yo, this is kind of dope. So I, I started painting more of the monsters to be more like what the characters and stuff. And then people started paying me even more money for the, for my work. So 
then I became a complete nerd. I got sucked into it. I I, I got really into like reading up all these different monsters and all this other stuff. And because of that, I got more into actual historic uh, old school religions and mythology of different cultures and everything like that. It's I found I found peace in it. You know, <laughs> like it, it's my little hobby, my little getaway from the world. So are you still are you still selling the monsters online? I do. I've taken a break a little bit from it, but I'm going to be starting back up come, I want to say like this fall, I should start back up. All right. Well, let me ask you a question. Where can people find you, man, if they want to follow you on uh, on social media? Right now, um, <laughs> Crazy Little Q on Instagram. Um, I'm going to be starting up another page that I will link to that page for my, my actual artwork and everything like that. Awesome. Um, my I'll I'll definitely set up my Etsy and my my eBay pages as well. Um, if you want to laugh, <laughs> find some time to just have a few laughs. Definitely check out my Instagram. But uh, yeah, that's probably the best way to catch me. So Insta is the basically the most predominant place that you're on right now when it comes to social media. Yes, yes. So you are you? Let me ask a question. Does uh, do the kids want you to get on TikTok? Oh man, they want me to get on TikTok so badly. My sons are like, <laughs> they they get glued to their phones sometimes with it, especially with like just the random little funny dad videos and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And I, I'm I'm thinking about it. You know, I I miss my wave when uh vines were the thing. Oh yeah, yeah, for but, sure. But uh, yeah. <laughs> but maybe. Maybe. TikTok, TikTok is great. Like I'm on TikTok myself. Uh, Frankly, Francisco podcast. I'm on there as well. It gets kind of annoying sometimes because these people and I get what they're doing. They're trying to click for views. But when you're stretching out a one minute video to three videos, it, it when you get up to three minutes on one video, it aggravates my soul. Like no <laughs> one needs to stretch a one minute video to three parts because you want to get clicks and you want to get views. It's annoying. It really is. Yeah. Um, you, people put a lot of good content, though. On I didn't know you can go live on TikTok. You can go live the same way you can go live on IG. So the outlet is out there, man. But. Man, continue to keep growing, man. Keep growing as a person. Keep growing as a father, as a husband. Man, make sure, get that hobby going out, man. Start your Etsy and, and start blowing up. Because like you said, there's a lot of people out there that have been playing Dungeons. Even Vin Diesel plays Dungeons & Dragons, man. This does been, Dungeons & Dragons has been around forever in a day. You know, you got people like Henry Cavill that plays Dungeons & Dragons as well. So it's a popularized game. And people like your art, people will pay for your work, man. Just keep going, man. Keep growing that. If that passion that you have... Don't let, let, let it burn out, man. You know, I deal with people on a daily basis. I'm in finance and I see people that come in and, and start their businesses and pe- I get excited for them. A lot of people don't get excited for, for, for them. I tell people all the time, a stranger is going to show you more love and give you, uh, and give you more support than sometimes your own family will. Uh, and it's sad to say that, but it's true. You know what I mean? But don't, yeah. don't let that passion go, man. You continue to do you and, uh, you know, continue to find ways to cope with, you know, the PTSD that you have and you have, man. And man, it's, a, it's just great to see you flourish and, and doing the things that you're doing right now. So continue to do that. Like he said, if you guys want to follow him, go ahead and follow him on IG. And that the name is, what was the name again? Crazy Little Q. Crazy Little All Q. All one word. All one word. Crazy Little Q on IG. Look out for his Etsy store uh, coming at some point. Um, and Q, it was great having you on, man. When you are ready to to, to uh, rumble and get the store up and running, just come on, man, and we'll we'll talk about it, and we can give people a preview of what some of the stuff that you have. You're always welcome to show anytime. 
Uh, we can talk about anything you want to talk about, man. That's what the show is about. It's an open platform for anyone. So it was great having you on, man. Fantastic to see you. And we will talk to you again. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no problem. We'll see you later, guys. Thank you. <laughs>